0: coming up this week on the single seater space podcast the high altitude combined with the nature of the track means the racing just isn't very good williams you are an under a serious amount of pressure hello my friend can i ask that same favor from before and it's like mercedes heading to brazil for the for for another time to save that season remember you can find all of our content on our website singleseaterspace.co.uk and on our social media using the at single seater space enjoy Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Single Seater Space Podcast. After the Mexican Grand Prix and the final stretch of this F1 triple header, we head to the Brazilian Grand Prix this weekend. And the Mexican Grand Prix was not a fantastic race. Max Verstappen cruised to another win in 2023, breaking his own record for most wins in a season as he led home Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc to finish out the podium. Sergio Perez put himself under yet more pressure. After a lap one accident, um, took the Mexican out of his home Grand Prix uh on the very first lap. Uh, And Daniel Ricciardo at the same time put in a performance worthy of note by the Red Bull selectors as that second seat for Perez is under increasing scrutiny. Here to talk about the very few things that actually happened in the Mexican Grand Prix is Taryn Glazebrook, single seater spaces Formula One and Formula E writer alongside myself, James Scott, who does F1 and IndyCar on our website as well. And Taryn, I'll bring you in um, by talking about Red Bull. It's the obvious place to start we have scrutinized Sergio Perez so much on this podcast over the last few weeks and with good reason he's been incredibly out of form out of touch but is that the final straw now crashing out of his home Grand Prix on the opening lap in a move of desperation going from fifth on the grid to try and take the lead and do you think that that really spells the end of Perez's time at Red Bull Racing
1: like I think the scene on the, it, literally in the pit lane after Perez crashed, you know. They had him still in the car, Like, they were going to fix his side pod. And then they just called in and they're like, mate, you're done. You're done. Get the hell out of your car. You're done. You've messed up. You Because let's be honest, that it was, as much as, you know, we're going to call it a turn one, lap one racing incident, at the end of the day, what the hell was Perez doing? Like, he literally just turned in. Like, he was aiming for the apex. You're going three-wide into turn one, mate. Like, do, you, do your mirrors exist? You're not some BMW driver, like, changing lanes on the M25. Like, you, you've you got to you've got to look after your car. You've taken the lead for probably one second. There are, there are pictures, actually, saying that Perez took the lead into turn one. I've seen them, and they're true. Actually, quite nice to see, to be honest. Um, it literally did ask for one second. Perez was out before we, the Mexican fans could even start celebrating. Instead, they were fighting in the stands. Um... I'll probably mention that a tiny bit later, but um, you know, for now, the scene in the pit lane afterwards uh, with Christian Horner hugging—literally, uh, he he was kind of had his arm on Prez, and it was literally like a cheetah putting their arm around an injured zebra, uh, literally saying, "Mate, you're you're screwed, like you're so screwed, we're gonna eat you alive." And to be honest, it is very very soon that phrase. You know, we've said his brain has been coked too many times, and it is only a moment of time. There's so many rumors going around the paddock at the moment. I, we, I don't think we can go through them because none of them, none of them have much substance, and they're very, but they're yet believable. Just purely out of the fact Prez has just been out of touch recently. But um, you know, we got him, and you got the polar opposite happening on the one side. The gap between Pres and Verstappen in the championship is bigger than the gap between Pres and Nick DeVries. In the Drivers' Championship. The gap between Perez and DeFries, of course, 240 points. Perez to Verstappen is at 251. Verstappen has broken the record for the most wins in a season, yet again. You know, the Dutchman, he is just a robot, and he is an unbeatable robot at this moment in time. I think I've summarised everything going on at Red Bull. Um, Before we get into potentially talking a little bit about those fights in the stands, which were pretty stupid, James, um, anything else you want to pick up on Sergio Perez, he is just at the moment, isn't he?
0: Yeah, well, there is an article which is currently the featured one at the top of singleseaterspace.co.uk which I wrote about Sergio Perez's mental state and how he looks completely fried and um, it's a combination between both Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll because they both really struggled Um, but yeah, that's one for listeners if you want to check it out it's the top article at singleseaterspace.co.uk As we've talked about Perez's season has unraveled so much after Miami that the disappointment of not being able to take the lead of the championship in Miami after four rounds has obviously eaten up Perez. He's now trying to play catch-up, so much so, making moves of desperation that there's a very good chance he loses second place in the driver's standings. Lewis Hamilton with an imperious performance. He was he was at his absolute best. Um, his overtake on Charles Leclerc on the grass was pretty spectacular. Um, we'll, we'll move to Mercedes in just a second because you picked up on the fights in the stands. And yeah, um, I thought the Mexican weekend as a whole felt quite f- frosty this time around. Often the Mexican Grand Prix is a great occasion of celebration. I mean, seeing the cars go through the stadium with just that number of people there is always an impressive spectacle. But I feel like maybe time is up. For the Mexican Grand Prix, we can't be having fights in the grandstands. Formula One can't be becoming like football. And at the same time, the racing just is not that good in Mexico. The high altitude combined with the the nature of the track means the racing just isn't very good. And, you know, every year the Mexican Grand Prix saves itself by having good vibes, a nice atmosphere and some fun bits and pieces going on beyond the track. But when that didn't happen this year and instead we were having fighting between... Uh, a, a Perez fan who obviously thought Leclerc was at the uh, was at fault for the turn one incident, which he wasn't, and then decided to take it out on some poor, innocent Ferrari fans who are obviously just trying to enjoy their Sunday afternoon in the stadium section. It left a really sour taste and it does leave me thinking maybe Mexico, um, this circuit in particular, Mexico's a brilliant country for racing, but this circuit in particular maybe needs to go. That's just my opinion. I don't think it's a great circuit on the calendar. The, the, uh, the, the thin air doesn't help um teams have to run essentially maximum downforce in order to to combat um the thin air because they need the air to suck their cars to the ground and as a result um with the thin air as well slipstreaming isn't very effective so the races are pretty pretty bad and reliability is always a concern because the thin air means that cooling is more difficult so it's just it was almost a comedy of errors this weekend the Mexican Grand Prix but yet again the cream rises to the top as it was Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton who put on the best performances um and uh, when we preview the Brazilian Grand Prix a little bit later in the show, we can talk about what might be happening at Sao Paulo because I want to pick up on Mercedes because I think this is their last opportunity at um, winning a race in 2023. However, let's rewind just a touch then. We've talked about Perez. The man that is looking most likely to take his seat will be Daniel Ricciardo. And what a time for Ricciardo to put in his best performance, probably since Monza in 2021 when he last ran a Formula One Grand Prix, dragging arguably the worst car onto the grid um uh on the grid uh into a very impressive qualifying spot and backing it up with plenty of points yeah i mean you fixed it up on perfectly the stat that i loved most was um the whole fact
1: is perez in qualifying has been absolutely dreadful since miami so last time perez was on the front row was miami last time he was on the second row was belgium in that time daniel ricardo has um signed a contract broken his hand come back onto the grid and then put it on P four in front of Sergio Perez. at Mexico. literally, what worse could you have at your home race to have the guy that everyone is making a noise about to replace you because you're doing so badly, and he's just beating you. Like, it, like I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite happy for Daniel. You know, he's he's had a tough time of it. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, we, we've we've been a little bit critical of him, saying you know. Yeah, Daniel, you know, his his twenty twenty two season, and to be honest, his twenty twenty one season had a lot to be desired. He was getting outperformed by Lando quite a lot, and but well, you know, he took advantage of that car as um Lando's teammates do. You know, when the car car's at its best, you know, Lando's teammates have generally you know gone on and won races. Piastri did it in the sprint racing in Qatar, and Lando's you know he's still waiting for that first win. Um, but yeah, Daniel, you know, he he's come back from his injury, and he's shown us what um you know Red Bull are actually probably missing, which is just some guy who just gets something by the scruff of the neck and just wrestles it. He wrestled that car around the Mexico GP circuit, used that Alphatari to the best of its ability. You know, Alphatari, I do actually feel, they're looking really, really solid at the moment. Yuki Tsunoda, if he hadn't, you know, been a bit stupid and crushed into Oscar Piastri, you know, had he not done that, you know, we could be staring at this and just be like, Williams, you are an under a serious amount of pressure. Uh, but yet again, Alex Albon, my boy, he got two very, very useful points. Um, which at the end of the day could be the difference for Williams in the championship. You never know. The rate Ray AlphaTauri have improved that car. They've you know, taken advantage. You know, as much as we're saying this Mexico Grand Prix was relatively boring. It was actually relatively boring. It was just watching DRS pass on the DRS pass. But you know, how else well are we watching F1 cars overtake in 2023? Um, you know, it was it was so for a race to have a red flag a safety car and a virtual safety car it wasn't that enthralling but instead we were just watching Daniel Ricardo doing a brilliant job and yet again we, I'm not I don't have a rant because we've had too many rants I just want to mention the um TV broadcasters were instead showing us for snap and crossing the line instead of that brilliant battle on the final lap between Russell and and Ricardo, you were just look we were just looking at the gap they were so obviously side by side I'm pretty sure somewhere on TikTok is a clip of them going neck and neck into turn one neck and neck into turn four Russell defending as hard as he can you know and then into the S section there was still wheel to wheel going through there and it was actually a really really good battle but instead no I'm watching a Dutchman cross the line in first place for the 16th time in 2023 what else do I want to watch um but yeah Anyway, Daniel Ricciardo, just a really good effort by him.
0: Yeah, the one thing I'd say is I think they are contractually obliged to show the lead across the finish line. So as much as we'd have loved uh, to see the battle... I mean, I know picture-in-picture exists, and they've obviously done that before, and it was a big blunder not in putting picture-in-picture in um, you know, where you go on board with the driver sort of in the timing column. Um, they should have done that. But in the end, we saw nothing. But yeah, unfortunately, on the main thing, they do actually have to show the winner of the race cross the finish line, unfortunately, um, even though it was Max Verstappen for the umpteenth time in 2023. And yeah, as you say, I think the cream really rose to the top this weekend. Um, Charles Leclerc as another pole position that hasn't converted into a win. Quite simply, the Ferrari just had not very much pace. They locked out the front row, but of course, Verstappen was ahead, but the end of the first complex, and really, turns four, five, and six in Mexico are perhaps the worst combination of corners on the calendar after that horrible little chicaney thing in Miami, um, it's a close second, you know, people try and make comparisons of which one's worse, just, just enjoy them, man, because they're both horrifically bad, um, over in, uh, Mexico City, so, yeah, that was, that's, that's kind of the Red Bull situation, and you talked about Sonoda. um, AlphaTauri lifted themselves up to eighth in the constructor standings this weekend, and um, as a result, that's earned them about twenty million pounds in terms of prize money by the end of the year, which is not a significant, not an insignificant contribution. And it's at the expense of Haas, who have slipped all the way down to the bottom of the constructor standings. Kevin Magnussen ended up in the wall following a suspension failure through the S section, which brought out a red flag. And the one thing I'd note from the red flag is I thought the level of marshalling there was pretty appalling um kevin magnuson got out the car and sat on the tech pro barriers quite clearly um yeah a little bit jaded from the accident and you know still going through the the motions of what he's just hit because that's not a slow part of the track he was going at least 130 miles an hour when the rear suspension failed and he went straight into the tech pro barriers and there was no one with him for at least 90 seconds the car was on fire still no one was with him which was bizarre incredibly bizarre. If that being the IndyCar medical team, for example, I remember Callum Eilat at uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The IndyCar medical team were already at, with him. By the time the car had stopped and he was able to shut the thing off after a hit at over 210, 220 miles an hour, and lot hadn't even been able to shut the car off, the medical team were there asking him if he was okay. So I thought that's just an interesting comparison to point out. Um, I thought the level of marshalling there was pretty, pretty pathetic. Um and uh yeah, I think that's all we've got to say. I mean impressive drives from uh oh maybe we'll talk about Lando Norris as well, actually. Uh he went from pretty much last uh to finish in the top five. Um good result and uh good rescuing of the weekend, wouldn't you say, Tarim? Yeah, definitely. I think Martin Brundle was saying that was
1: probably the best drive of Lando Norris's career. And to be honest, probably was you know, starting all the way down after that disastrous qualifying session, and you know, even in, during that red flag, Alex and uh, Lando were screwed over by that red flag and its timing. You know, I, you know, I, I could see it it's coming so much. I don't understand why they pitted them. You know, it like so obviously. I mean, you know, as much as we're saying, you know, they. They can change the tyres under those red flag conditions. And, um, you know, as much as we're saying it shouldn't count as your pit stop. Lo and behold, these are the rules these days. If you if you start, if, if you change the tyres under those conditions, you're absolutely fine. And I was looking at that house on fire and I immediately knew the state of that barrier. It was going to be a red flag any day of the year. Instead, Williams, Williams and McLaren just said, no. Now, we now we we're going to hit our two drivers who are actually doing really really well at the moment. And you know, whilst for whilst for Williams, you know, for Alex Albon, he probably he probably maximised that car. Didn't see him getting anything more than P nine. It was just a good drive for him by him. Lando could have very very well have done a little bit better. Ferrari's race pace. I mean, you pointed out, probably in qualifying, you know, car just comes alive in the, on that one lap. You know, it is just utterly brilliant. But over a long stint. It just,
0: it, it, it loses something. Tires melt away on that machine.
1: Yeah, the the, the the tires are just melting. You know, Mexico is one of those tracks where tires, you know, they need cooling. You know, engines need cooling. Everything needs cooling because that altitude is just so dreadful. And the amount of air that is in Mexico is just absolutely like non-existent compared to being at a track like Zanfort where you're right next to the sea at sea level um but yeah uh lando he did a really good job to finish in p5 and to be honest um he's doing an, an amazing job in the driver's standings i'm pretty sure he is perched above um a certain charles leclerc in the driver's tra- championship right now which to be honest if he said that at the start of the season we would have laughed at you but yet we're looking at lando norris and oscar piastri you know lando is ahead of charles and george i don't see oscar chasing down george because the gap is siding at 70 points or something at the moment you know 60 plus points it is a bit stupid so it's not it's not gonna happen but um you know lando's doing a brilliant job and he is chasing down fernando alonso and perhaps his best friend carlos signs in that driver's championship for P4. It it is looking very tasty in that driver's championship and lewis Hamilton is also just 20 points behind him but i think we'll talk about him When we talk about Mercedes. But yeah. It was a brilliant drive from Lando. And I think McLaren are certainly proving. Why they are perhaps having the best fight back. They have had. uh, Perhaps perhaps since their 2009 season. uh, Where they started that year. With such a poor car. And finished it with race wins.
0: Yeah. And I was actually just going to point out. You talked about Alex Albon. I thought Logan Sargent had a very strong. Um, weekend he was incredibly unfortunate that there was I think there was a fuel pressure problem which meant he wasn't actually able to take the tre- the checkered flag fuel pump fuel pump issue there we go so that's a fire risk um, which is why they made him pull into the pits he wasn't able to take the flag on the final lap which dropped him down to 16th place but I thought Logan Sargent from 12th where he was had a very reasonable weekend as well so um yeah I guess a, a good shout out to to Sargent I mean kicking on a little bit I mean he didn't really string it together in qualifying but I thought the race was better um from him so that's always handy right if we move on then to previewing brazil um we'll start with mercedes uh, i've just realized we haven't talked about aston martin but we can tie that into our preview because uh fernando alonso coupling two eighteenth 18th places in a row isn't great uh, mercedes are currently on for their first winless year since 2011 Is Lewis Hamilton or George Russell going to win the Brazilian Grand Prix? Because, I don't know if you've seen this, but I saw a stat that since 2017, the pole position setter for the Hungarian Grand Prix has won the Brazilian Grand Prix, which is really random. And whoever found that out, you really need to touch grass, see the sunshine, maybe chat to a friend, go for a walk, because that's a niche stat, that. But um, yeah, Lewis Hamilton, of course, on pole in Hungary by just a couple of thousandths. Is this a 104 time, doesn't really work, like hammer time, but is it is it time, is it Lewis Hamilton's time, this one, do you reckon? Well, you know, that's that. I, somebody, somebody's been fishing for inspiration, because at the
1: moment, F1 fans all over the world have listened to a Dutch national anthem about 16, um, 17, including listening to it before the Dutch GP. Someone just count it. We've heard it perhaps slightly too much. I'm sorry, Dutch fans, but. We, we, we do like listening to other national anthems we kind of love a variety of music we listen to on an F one weekend we kind of um we're, we're getting a little bit bored of listening to I don't know this this time we'll listen to the Brazil national Brazilian national anthem and then we kind of don't want to listen to a Dutch national anthem after the race uh, a total of two hours later we want something different and who knows I'm i've I've been predicting this for a bit of time now that we are going to see a Mercedes one2 around Brazil like we did last year. And the facts are that um, Lewis in Mexico, that Mercedes car, God knows what it is. Mercedes on Friday is classic. Mercedes on Friday, in practice, I don't know what happens, but they just look off the pace. And we don't know why. It's probably a setup issue. They struggle. They fight back Mercedes. They always do. They fight back. They find something overnight. On Saturday, they did it. And they found found Chase in the car, you know. Both, both gone to Q3, and yet on Sunday during the race, Lewis was there. He was in P2. Somehow, those medium compound tyres, God knows how Lewis did it. You know, it, it reminded me, I think it was Silverstone 2019, when he was on worn hard compound tyres towards the end, and God knows how he did it. Final lap, Lewis plugs in the fastest lap of the Grand Prix. Only Lewis Hamilton could be doing these kind of things. It, it it was just unbelievable to see, and and this this is the thing about Lewis at the moment. He's just looking to maximise his points. You could hear him as soon as he's pushed a little bit. I'm pretty sure he did a one twenty two point naught, and Verstappen casually doing a one twenty one point nine. You know, yes, as much as this is a tense difference, Lewis is on medium compounds, and he's pushing them. You know, you, you couldn't do that in Mexico. You had to save your tyres. And Lewis Hampton was there, and he knew what was going to happen. He was either fighting those Ferraris, but they were dying so badly, he didn't have to actually keep an eye on them, that he thought, screw it, save my tyres, go for fastest lap. And he did that pretty brilliantly. And I'm looking at Brazil. I think it's going to be a 1-2 for Mercedes. No offence to red bull fans i'm actually i've I've always got out the back of my head that verstappen's gonna win this Brazilian grand prix sprint and main race by about uh uh, about about a lap um you've just ruined it for
0: everybody now you've said mercedes are gonna win they're obviously going to hit each other again because that's how it works that's that's how I like jinxing. Yeah, James. exactly. I like jinxing. That's how the single seat space podcast works. Um, yeah, I think this is their best shot. They won't be competitive in Abu Dhabi, and uh, um, if we if we can pray for the Mercedes drivers on the straight in Vegas, um, that they're, they're they're going to struggle. Speaking of struggling, welcome to Aston Martin Aramco Cognizant Formula One team. Oh my goodness me! The team looks a shadow of the team that arrived with swagger. To Bahrain in 2023. Since then, Fernando Alonso, a pair of 18th place finishes now in a row. It's really not been good. There's a good chance now, when he was chasing Perez for second in the driver's title, that now Alonso doesn't even finish in the top five or top four at least, because he's on 183. Um, Norris can pass him. Sainz has already passed him. And as a result, you know, there's a good chance it doesn't finish in the top five here. The top five could easily be Verstappen, Perez and Hamilton for second and third. We don't know which way that one's going to go. Norris, Sainz. And then Leclerc is only 17 points behind with three rounds to go. Aston Martin, I mean, you know, this this is this is key for them. I mean, they, they've, they've lost fourth in the constructors. But this has been a howling season, second half. If we look at McLaren and Aston Martin, cool, blimey, they have done the switch i know a switcheroo when i see one and um that is uh that's big time i mean that is a huge huge failure uh there are rumors circulating that um some shares in aston martin have been sold not 250 millions worth of shares but i saw that 2.5 millions worth of shares were sold which is virtually nothing that's less than one percent of the company so it's not like lawrence stroll is about to sell up but um yeah they are in trouble, and uh, Taron, do you see them being competitive at all in either of the last three rounds of 2023? Simply, honestly, no. Uh,
1: you know, you know, James said that you know we've seen a switcheroo before. You know, James, switcheroo was that turn three into Austrian co-op career mode every single time. But um, you know, uh, you know, if there's a switcheroo we've seen on, well, I'm pretty sure McLaren have just gone to Aston Martin stolen their 2023 challenger and just given them their the you know the McLaren 22 new twenty three challenger that was at the start of the season the worst car on the grid. I'm still gonna state that because that is the amount McLaren have improved. They started the season with the worst car. Now they're pretty much going to end it potentially with the second best car on the grid. Um yeah uh Aston Martin not really much else to say about that you know um we could yell at the top of the... I've I've said this before, I'm pretty sure. At the start of the season, we yelled at the top of the mountains. The Aston Martin hype train was real. It was chugging along. And we could yell, Aston Martin, Fernando Alonso would win a Grand Prix. Perhaps not Lance Stroll, but you know, it could have been Lance Stroll. He could have perhaps turned up on the 31st of February. But um, you know, we we yelled at that top of the mountain, and Aston Martin did not listen to us. Their train simply got derailed and has been derailed pretty badly. The only good thing for them at the moment is that they are certain to finish in P five. I don't see Alpine creating an absolute monster of a car for these last three rounds. Um, you know, as much as I know, Alpine fans might be desperate. Um, yeah, I I, I don't see it. I don't see it coming, guys. Um, Aston Martin simply look absolutely dreadful at the moment uh, not really much else to be said about them, to be honest. I mean, they're just—they were just absolutely anonymous. They had a double DNF at Mexico. Like, what is going on? You know, even Alonso at Qatar. You know, at least he was staying in the points for a little bit. I know he went off, but at least he was staying in the points. At least he's bringing reasonable points. Now he's just staying at you know bottom five finishes and getting knocked out in Q one. It is really, really not looking too good for Aston Martin at the moment, and um. They need the end of this season to come as soon as possible, and to be honest now, because the RBW Grand Prix has been confirmed to be taking place, it's going to, you know, it's just going to stay out as it is at the moment. Three rounds of struggles coming in for Aston Martin, sadly.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think they're in massive trouble. Uh, and that this, this 2024, their early 2023 flash in the pan could be like a 2012-13 Lotus the streets won't forget because, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be seeing them at the sharp end of the grid come next season. Right, let's go a little bit wider then let's pan a little bit wider um to other bits and pieces that have been taking place in the world of open wheel racing and firstly is that mike elliott left mercedes the man that invented the zero pod concept um after the the failures of 2022 and the start of 2023 um he's mutually parted ways with mercedes and is now on gardening leave um i think he was perhaps har- slightly harshly treated maybe thrown under the bus he resigned Um, but, uh, yeah, that's just a little bit of information with the return full time of James Allison. I think this was pretty clear that a reshuffle was going to take place. And now that car is, uh, almost completely in the hands of James Allison. So it just makes complete and utter sense, um, for Mercedes's part. So that's that done. And now let's travel across the pond to where the Phoenix has joined the fireball of Hunkos-Hollinger Racing. Any of those uh, social media users post the Firestone Grand Prix of Laguna Seca um, will know that uh, the Hunkos-Hollinger comments section is not somewhere you want to be after an accident involving Augustin Canapino. So... Just for jokes, Ricardo Hunkos fired their level-headed, sensible, quick, reliable driver in Calamilo and brought in hot-headed, rash, accident prone. Roman Grosjean and the team are going to take on 2024 with Canapinho in one corner and Grosjean in the other if those two come together log off social media and do not come on until both of them no longer race an IndyCar in maybe three four five six years time because oh my word it could go down um sorry Tarrant um Anything on Grosjean joining uh, Hunkos Hollinger Racing? I mean, it's nice to see him back on the grid, isn't it? Um, He definitely deserved a ride after how it ended up with Andretti. He looked a man bereft of confidence, but I'm not sure we expected it to be this home until about five days ago, and then it became the world's worst kept secret.
1: Yeah, um you you you've pretty much summarized it. Um uh, uh, as it as it kind of was, you know, you know, R C F1 fans were very, very adjusted to Twitter life straight after that of and Hamilton crash at Silverstone. You have no idea what IndyCar and Tunkos Hollinger social media is like. You have never seen that battle um looking on social media, um, where with 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 I with, 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 with and, um, and, and it, 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 was, it was, it was, it was, it was not good. It was really, really not good. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've got, we got Roman Grosjean and who knows, we, we actually quite like, like, like him to be back. You know, I've, I've been, you know, I've been singing his praises all season. I know he had a really, 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 really tough 2023, uh, campaign. He started that season so well, but, you know, crash prone is the key word for Roman and, you know, it, 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 it kind of happens. Um, it kind of happened, and uh, he was left staring at Andretti, saying goodbye to him, which he wasn't quite happy about. Um, you know, there, there, there's been stuff that has happened. Uh, Roman has not been happy at all. But he is back, you know, whilst he isn't with Dale Coyne, as I kind of did slightly predict um at least like jay unlike, at least at least unlike james i predicted that he was going to be on this 2024 grid james did not have any faith that the indycar teams would sign this beautiful french man this beautiful baker this beautiful writer uh that is roman grosjean and uh you know he, he is on the 2024 grid and um hopefully hopefully he carries off where i lot left you know callum Arlott was a very very good driver by his own right and he did carry Hunko's hunger to heights, led at the Indy 500 momentarily, and, uh, you know, um, Hunko's will want to develop what they finished at Laguna sacron uh, I'm pretty sure that was all I wanted to say about Roman. Um, you know, just good to see him on the grid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's nice to have him back. And it means that, I mean, just for IndyCar, just having personalities is always a good thing. And, you, know, you don't want your drivers to be like robots. And, you know, Grosjean is a good driver. Um, and uh, yeah, goodness knows what will happen if those two come together. But hopefully that won't happen. Um, I just pray for the uh, the sponsors of Hunkos Hollinger after their purses are emptied by the umpteenth front wing that goes into the wall at Sir Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg in March. But I think that's everything for this week because, yeah, there's not been a huge amount to talk about. Really, the Mexican Grand Prix was pretty dire, as it normally is, every year. Um, We had Formula E pre-season testing, but as Taryn told me off-air, not much happened except Jaguar were quick. So... I think that's about right. Nod if, if that's right.
1: Yeah. 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 Jaguar topped the title top streets. And the, the I think all 22 drivers were separated by nine tenths or something. So it's going to be close. But yeah, Jaguar looked quick. And that was what we expected.
0: Yeah. And also we talked about the incident that took place, the, the horrible incident that took place in Valencia last week. So we don't want to sort of do it again. Um, if you missed it, there was uh, a fire in the garage um, out of one of the batteries where where there were a couple of injuries because of it. Um But, yeah, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week, I think. The Brazilian Grand Prix is a sprint, um, which means Taron will obviously rant at the FIA next week for doing something wrong because that's just how it works. Um, Seems to happen every week. Uh, I had a little bit of a go of them um, with the uh, stewarding of Kevin Magnussen's uh, incident. But um, on the whole, yeah, Formula One um, was a little bit... Slow, should we say, around the Mexican Grand Prix circuit, uh, and um, yeah, uh, me and that turn four, five, six complex uh, are gonna come to blows in a minute. Um, if I have to watch the cars going twelve miles an hour through them once more, um, join us next week um, for reviewing the Brazilian Grand Prix because hopefully it'll be good. Last year was great. The year before was great. Brazil always provides something fun, and if Brazil can't save this twenty twenty three F one season, then nothing will because uh, yeah, it's been pretty poor. Hey. I guess we we need we need Brazil to save us what um, we really really do and Mercedes are hoping that Brazil saves their season for the second th- third year in a row to be honest if when you think about it three years in a row Mercedes have gone to Sao Paulo. it's like that it's like that um, meme it's like hello my friend can I ask that same favor from before and it's like Mercedes heading to Brazil for the for for another time to save their season thanks to taran Glazebook for joining this episode of the single seat to space podcast Um, of course you can read all of his Formula One and Formula E articles on our website, along with myself, James Scott, you can read um, some F1 features and uh, all the IndyCar race reports and bits and pieces like that. But for now, goodbye.